Good evening and welcome once again to the Irish NFL show. I'm Mark Harry Potter Cockrell and joined this evening by my good friends Colin Ron Weasley Cronin and Brian Hermione Granger O'Leary. Gentlemen, it's a magical evening. Good to see you both. Yes, uh, indeed, Mark. Obviously, they're, they're running into Christmas and plenty of exciting games to look forward to over uh, the, the coming days and lots to discuss this evening. Brian, is the Christmas magic in the air for you, yeah? Oh, absolutely. It sounds like you have some magical uh, quotes to come this evening, judging by the opening the opening lines on this show. Uh, they, they're saying this could be one of the coldest weekends in NFL history, and uh, just when the season is really warming up in terms of who's going to make the playoffs. Um, some teams are going to play in their coldest ever game in their NFL history, so very interesting to see picks tonight because i imagine come monday if the weather gets a hold of these games we'll see very different results to what we expect absolutely and we've got a you know a busy weekend ahead with obviously with the christmas day games we've got football on four nights this week with thursday saturday sunday monday another christmas treat uh but gents before we get into the games and the 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 future that we're looking forward to uh, there have been a couple of sad passings in the wider NFL community and family uh, in the last few days in the run-up to Christmas. Probably, Colin, most surprisingly, given the young age of the gentleman in question, Ronnie Hillman, a former uh, Broncos uh, running back who I think passed at only 31 years of age there. Yeah, really sad, obviously. I mean, 31 is no age at all. Um, and the guy who, um, you know, I kind of... you. you see the talk about him uh, on twitter what a great teammate he was he his best year was actually the year the broncos last won the super bowl in 2015 and he was a big part of that rushing for nearly a thousand yards played in super bowl 50 as well but word came earlier this week from a couple of his teammates um former teammates in denver um, Orlando Franklin and Derek Wolf that he had been taken into hospice care. He'd only been diagnosed earlier in the year um, with a, a rare form of liver cancer um, and unfortunately um, just didn't, uh, you know, there was really no chance uh, for him with that. But uh, a guy who, when he was drafted, was actually drafted ahead of Russell Wilson. Um, John Elway took a bit of stick for drafting him because he wasn't the biggest running back in the, the world. But he had a decent career with the Broncos, was a key part of the Super Bowl winning team. And obviously um, will be missed by fans, but most importantly by his family and you know, it's it's good to see kind of the entirety of the NFL community coming together um, to acknowledge what a, a tragedy it is for all of the those that who knew him. And look, our, our thoughts go out to him. It's really tough to lose anyone at any time. Um, it's especially tragic, I think, when it is a young person. And it is very, very difficult, I think, when it is just before Christmas. So definitely our, our thoughts are with Ronnie Hillman's, uh, all, all of his loved ones. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And I'd like to continue extending thoughts and prayers, not just to friends and family of Ronnie Hillman, but also those of Franco Harris, who also left us earlier this week. Um, for those of a 
more vintage generation, uh, I would say. Uh, certainly one of the names, one of the fundamental faces behind that uh, famous Steeler side during the 70s, winner of four Super Bowls. We often laud the amazing Steel Curtain and the defense. You see Terry Bradshaw, who was a quarterback in the league when quarterbacks weren't the most important thing uh, on the shows. But really what drove that offense was their running game and especially their running game behind Franco Harris. Um, as many will know and would have seen in the tributes paid to him, if you didn't already know, he is, of course, the famous recipient of the most famous play in the history of the NFL, the Immaculate Reception. Um, as this is an opinion, this is voted in 2019 as part of the NFL's 100 years celebration, um, which, um, you know, in the week we've just had, I suppose, with Raiders fans uh, celebrating a rather uh, unbelievable end to one game was certainly an unbelievable end to a key championship game back there in the 70s. Obviously, at the different end of the spectrum, he passed at 72, had long innings, uh, had been obviously close with the whole Philadelphia uh, Pittsburgh community uh, all the way through uh, and a key part of, as I say, those 70 teams, but that link to the past. Um, for younger or newer fans of the NFL, you'll see the Immaculate Reception repeat on that, that famous advert for the NFL 100 where Franco... Uh, gets the ball off the deflection much in the same way it happened in that famous game against the Raiders. Um, and the Steelers, obviously, at that time, were the curse of John Madden's Raiders in a few uh, years uh, gone by. So a very famous face, notable face for the Pittsburgh Steelers community as well. And sorry to start on such a somber note, but I think it's only appropriate as we cover so many angles and so much part of the NFL to acknowledge um, the contributions made by both those men. So with our thoughts and prayers with them and their families, um, it is important sometimes as well to remember the football can be a distraction from um, the sadness and the, the reality of life. And we obviously as fans do treat it that way and, and uh, allow it to kind of provide some hopefully light in the day. We were starting with the magic themes, Brian, but I think we've got so many games to get through with the way the schedule falls. We should uh, really start with the first game that's going to come up later this evening, Thursday Night Football. Uh, and I come to you first on this, Brian, about the Jags at the Jets. Um, both of these teams are actually looking to be where Ronnie Hillman and Franco Harris were before, which is in the playoffs. Both these teams, Jags are now just one game behind the times. We talked about they control their destiny. And the Jets, obviously on a bit of a losing streak at the moment, but they're still only one game outside of that wild card race. The weather could be wild at MetLife, uh, but is this game going to be wild tonight? Yeah, they're expecting really, really bad weather at this game tonight, which kind of shows out the form in a way, because despite the difficult losses for the Jets recently, they're still in the position, as you said, to make the playoffs. And defensively, they've been very impressive throughout the course of the season. It's going to be a, a really difficult t task for, in, for Trevor Lawrence. You know, he's coming off a game last week where he had 503 total yards against the Cowboys defense, which was really exposed last week. And they're going up against a, a defense that, for, I suppose, has held, this, held their own this season, despite the uh, difficulties in which they have with offense. You know, the stop starting situation with Zach Wilson as quarterback. Then obviously Mike White coming in. Mike White's been injured. He, at one stage, Joe Flacco was playing. So there's been a lot of upheaval offensively. But one thing we can say is, defensively this season they've been fantastic and you know you've got Sauce Gardner you know arguably defensive rookie of the year 
And they're going up against a team right now that are on a crest of a wave in in in, in the Jags. They've won four of the last six games. Trevor Lawrence is finally starting to show the potential that we all we always knew we had after the craziness of last season. What well, this weather thing really does worry me. I'm mean, I'm looking at the stats, I'm looking at the, the games in which the Jags have played over the course of the years and they haven't won a game. Um under ten degrees of weather Celsius for us uh, in in eight years. It's it's gone back that far since they've gone on the road in difficult circumstances and played well and won and right now like they are do you know, they're doing really well. They've got players like Zay Jones who you know, we could have underrated wide receiver. He's really stepped up the last few weeks. We saw it in Tennessee. We saw it last week in the big game against the Cowboys. It's a difficult one. I'm really torn on this one. Um, I mean, they're one game back on the on the Titans. The Titans now essentially have ruled out Tannehill potential for the rest of the season. They're going to be running with Malik Willis, and they're going to play each other the final week of the season. The Jags have got to keep going. Zach Wilson is playing. Something tells me Jets win a very close one. Um, I thought they'd win last week. I'll be honest, I thought they felt I felt they threw the game away last week with the 14 inches touchdown, not getting his hackling on the tight end. Then obviously the bad we spoke about it on Monday show around the play calling at the end, with the timeouts. You know they could have sat, put themselves in a better position to win that game. It's one they'll feel they let go. I don't think they let go tonight. I think they'll find a way to get past the Jags and win this game and keep their season alive in terms of making the playoffs. Colin, do you have faith in the Zach attack? I don't, and uh, I think this is we're going to be off uh, tonight to uh, straight away. Uh, there's been a lot of um, games where we have been um, in harmony in a unison over the past couple of weeks. Uh, maybe, maybe this weekend will not be the case because for me, I, I think both teams. I, I think look, if if maybe the, the Jets had their um, their full like. They, they weren't injured at running back. Maybe it'd be different. Brees Hall, I think, was such a difference maker for them. Um, but uh, and and while they they're still effective, and Brian rightly points to how good their defense has been, I think Zach Wilson is going to really struggle to to move the ball in this sort of weather. And talked about it on Monday's show. This has been a season where the Jags have broken the the different sort of streaks. Their inability to win on the road, their inability to win on the West Coast, all of those sorts of things. Um, and we saw uh, some of the stats come out during the week. So Trevor Lawrence is PFF's highest uh, graded quarterback since week nine. If you look at the stats uh, since week nine, even getting some love from Nick Wright, who generally only only gives the love uh, to Pat Mahomes. So that was uh, funny. But since week nine, in terms of passer rating, uh, 111.2 first in terms of completion percentage, over 70%. And in terms of touchdown to interception uh, ratio, 14 to 1, he is first in all of those. So it's not just PFF saying it, it is the stats to, to back it up. And you can see it with your own eyes, the way in which he has grown and matured the decision making. Um, and for for me, as impressive as the Jets defense have, has been, I just think they, they're going to struggle with Zach Wilson to score enough points. And that um, is, as, as I can tell you at my own team, that does not allow you to win football games. Uh, I wonder, and I think it will be intriguing to see what the Jets might do uh, it, with 
the QB situation in the offseason. That's one to, to keep an eye on. I think this will be a, a very low-scoring game. I wouldn't be shocked if the Jets were to, to win it. Absolutely, they could. I just think um, in this league, the best QB tends to win, and the best QB in this situation is Trevor Lawrence. So it's the Jags for me. Yeah, as I, I alluded to, the Jets are on a three-game losing streak, and maybe you couldn't, you wouldn't blame necessarily Zach Wilson for the loss against Detroit last week, but um, you know uh, there were a lot of things we analysed that went wrong at the wrong time for them. Um, and I'm with you, Colm, on this. Like their defense is impressive, but we also have to give due credit to how the Jags' offense has been clicking last while. Forty points against the Cowboys cannot be sniffed at. And if the weather is wild, um, I do still like uh, the Jags being able to run the ball. I do still like Trevor Lawrence's arm more so than Zach Wilson's tendency with his mechanics to throw off the back, back foot. Um, remember a dodgy, windy game uh, between Buffalo and New England last year, and it was like a bazooka versus a BB gun in terms of Mac Jones throwing in the wind and Josh Allen throwing in the wind. Um, and maybe it's not quite as bad as that, but I would do a similar comparison between Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence tonight. I certainly know who I'd rather be throwing the ball in inclement weather in that regard. So look, um, it's 2-1. Brian, you're the lone wolf tonight because I'm going to go with the Jags on Thursday night football as well. Moving swiftly on, however, gentlemen, uh, as we turn our attention to Sunday, first game we're going to look at here is the Falcons at the Ravens. And uh, two things to mention here. Um, Mr. Ritter is going to be on the road for the first time uh, as the Falcons continue to evaluate him. If you are interested in going on the road next year to the NFL, do please pre-register your interest with our partners at Cassidy Travel. They're taking pre-reg interest uh, with your team and your interests uh, now even. So you'll see that link in our bio on YouTube. You'll see that link connected on various social media sites as well. So do please do that. So while he goes traveling, however, let's let's try the magic theme. Unfortunately, uh, Lamar Jackson's injury history has declared uh, a curse of Adava Advada Kadava, uh, if I remember my Harry Potter correctly, on the Ravens' playoff hopes in years gone by. Again, Colm, Lamar Jackson is injured, and whereas the Ravens a couple of weeks ago looked like they were almost nailed on for the division title, uh, they've lost. Uh, they Jackson isn't starting again tonight. We've got the the, the wonders and delights of Huntley uh, confirmed. Sorry, I say tonight. Sorry, Sunday confirmed to start again. Actually, sorry, Saturday. This is how confused I am about these games now. There's too much football. It's Christmas. I'm completely confused. Whenever and in whatever geographical location and time zone this is being played, Huntley will be starting against Desmond Ritter on the road. Column, please save me from my misery here and release this uh, confluxing spell that I'm under. Well, given that we're on the uh, the the Christmas games uh, as such, I, I'll I'll go with the uh, the Christmas hat and I'll I'll sort that out in a minute. Um, look at that. Uh, with this one, uh, I don't think either of these uh, teams will will be high flying. the The Ravens, it it feels very similar to 
last year. We've talked about that. Namar gets injured towards the, the end of, of the year and the wheels just come off because he is their their offense. He is their, their best rusher and he is a great passer. He worries defenses in a way that Huntley just doesn't. And Huntley is a competent backup, but he's a backup QB. And um, that that is a, a huge, huge issue for um, this team. They are, th- these are, are in, I think they're two and three in terms of rushing yards. But for the Falcons, the, the big advantage they have is that even though Marcus Mariota is um, no longer the, the QB there, um, their top two uh, rushers are their running backs. And ultimately, I think that is what could make the difference. I think we might well see some su- surprises uh, this week. This is another of the uh, cold weather games. And I just... It just feels like without Lamar, the, the rate you, you lose a huge leader and you lose your quarterback, and it just feels like things aren't quite right there. Um, again, it wouldn't be shock me at all if the Ravens were to win this, but I am going to say that it is going to be an upset and that the Falcons and Desmond Ritter are going to actually get the victory, but it won't be uh, based on, off of him. It's going to be on their running backs. Yeah. And and Brian, you've got the, the stat running there, obviously about how the playoff the Ravens can secure a playoff spot, but probably the bigger question for them is keeping up with the Bengals to get the right playoff spot in terms of that home advantage. Yeah, big weekend last weekend with the Browns beating the Ravens and obviously the Bengals going into Tampa winning. Uh, Bengals now top of the division. Uh, this this game, like we looked at these two offenses over the past few weeks and they're stuttering. We called it out over the past few weeks, you know, in particular around the Ravens games. Home to the Panthers, on the road in Jacksonville, up and down last weekend against the, against the Browns. Um, he's fixing the hat, I assume. Uh, last weekend against the Browns on the Saturday night. Didn't do a lot. And there's been this kind of narrative for a while that uh, that Huntley could be potentially be the right answer for the Ravens if, if Lamar Jackson was to move on, um, you know, if the contract wasn't secured. I think we've seen enough now at this stage to, to recognise that's not that's not the case. I think the Ravens will win more so because I think Ritter's in for a difficult day with the defence of the Ravens stepping up. These t- both these two teams combined for 21 points last weekend. We're not seeing a lot out of the Ravens. Sorry, the Ravens' offence. We're not seeing a lot out of the Falcons' offence. It'd be interesting how Ritter can do again in another road game for him. But I think bearing in mind where the Ravens are at and the opportunity to potentially make the playoffs this weekend, albeit just securing a wild card with the games that are at hand elsewhere, um, I think the Ravens will find a way to win this game. It, it is not always guaranteed that just because they should have more to win out of this that they come through. <clears throat> Looking at you, Indy, last year against Jacksonville, for example, um, but let's not forget, gentlemen, the Falcons have a lot of interest in this as well. They're only a game out of the division in there. Uh, are we allowed to call it a division? Embarrassment might be the appropriate word. In the NFC South, which is uh, potentially this weekend going to confirm if the Bucks lose that the winner of that division will indeed have a losing record and thus joining the economy of the, I think it's 7-8-1 uh, Panthers, the 7-9 Seahawks, and one other losing division winner that I can't remember at this point in time. It's a very, very low and ignoble list, albeit, of course, the Seahawks gave us that amazing home playoff game where they unleashed beast mode. 
it is hard to see true beast mode, beast quake, I should say. It is hard to see any of these NFC South teams, whichever uh, eventually stumbles to the finish line, unlocking anything uh, of that nature. Um, there's been a great job, do not get me wrong, uh, by Arthur Smith and the coaching staff and the Falcons of what they've turned around uh, this year in particular. Um, but John Horbaugh can't allow another meltdown. Uh, Huntley has shown glimpses. The Ravens are by far the more talented team uh, across the board. And, you know, even though I make all those points for the Falcons and what they've got to play for in this regard, I will take uh, the Ravens over the Falcons. I'm not quite sure Ridder's there yet, and it's not the nicest environment uh, to go into on your first away game as well. Certainly be difficult with their defense, to say the least. Um, I'm also loving Column's Cup that made an appearance just during that, as well as the Moose Antlers, uh, which are now duly fixed. So we've got a good Christmassy night ahead. Anyone, again, watching on the podcast is going, what the hell is going on are they talking about? Then you have to check out the show on YouTube to to see the full effect um, of, of what Collins brings down today. Moving on, gentlemen. Um, now, there's only one reference that's relevant here. Harry Houdini himself must be the reference because the Detroit Lions have not just escaped a one-and-six purgatory. They've got an amazing winning streak and run. They've got the potential now to go for seven wins out of their last eight. They showed a great performance against the Panthers. Uh, sorry, they showed a great performance the last couple of weeks. And now they're bringing this form on the road to Carolina. The Panthers season, albeit, you know, Steve Wilkes was making the case, obviously, to take the permanent job there and, and looked like he was getting some great performances out of that team, even after they traded the farm away and basically thrown in the towel on the season. Now that season and is over. They really want the draft position more than anything, especially with the poor performance last week, dropping at home to the Steelers. Realistically, guys, is this not about the Lions and their continued wild card push um, and the Panthers' slow, inexorable climb out of the Matt Rule? Um, I'm trying to be polite. Uh, reindeer droppings that were left behind. Uh, Colm, I'll come to you. Let's start with you on this one. Lions at the Panthers. Yeah, I look, I, I mean, I, for me, I suppose the um, head coach of the, the year contenders uh, are, I think there's four in, in it. And I think that Dan Campbell is one of those four, the way in which he has changed the culture. We t- I mean, how many times on this show have we talked about Detroit as the factory of sadness? Uh, and this year they have become the game's great entertainers. Look, I, I you I feel a little bit for for Steve Wilkes because it's really difficult when I talked about it we, uh, last week. This is a team who are on their third starting QB. Um, they traded away Chris McCaffrey. Uh, Robbie Anderson forced his way out. And so it's it's difficult for for Wilkes, but the the Lions are on such a good run. And the other thing that happened this week were the Pro Bowl announcements. And one player uh, who didn't get it, who was snubbed, was Amon Ross St. Brown. 
Now, if, if people out there know anything about Avara, it is the fact that he takes things personally. He has the he can list off all sixteen wide receivers uh, who went before him in the draft. Earlier in the season, ESPN didn't include him in a list of the top players under 25. He promptly went for over 100 yards in each of the next two games, those games uh, being the, the Bills and the Jags. So the fact that he has been snubbed should be of significant concern to the Carolina Panthers because he is going to want to prove a point. And he's pretty good uh, when it comes to proving a point. Uh, I, I think this will be, um, you know, I think that the Panthers will want to respond after a disappointing showing last week. But I, I think ultimately for them, like they're going to have an entirely new QB room next year. I would imagine it's not going to be anyone who's on the current roster. And I think that the Lions and Dan Campbell have the, the playoffs in their sights. And so I am going to say that the great entertainers continue to entertain and they get the win. Mark, just as you were leading into this game, you, you suggested this is more so about the Lions and the Panthers, and the Panthers potentially should be considering their position for the for the for the uh, draft come April. But the reality is they're in the NFC South as well. I know. So <laughs> no, no. Well, well, look, look, we're all guilty of you know what we think of the NFC South. But like the reality is, right now, if they continue to win or find a way to get themselves in a position come Week 18, they play the Bucks. I know it's on the road. The Bucs have lost quite a few games at home this season. It's not a daunting place to go. They just need to remain one game out, play the, play the Bucs, beat them. They've beaten them earlier in the season, and they'll be in the playoffs. So I have, I get it. Like They're not. like They really should be figuring it out. What's the plan? And they should be looking at the draft position. But the way they're playing, even if they finish the season and win the division with six or seven games, they're still going to be in the top 12 picking in the draft. So like there's going to be four or five quarterbacks. Anyway, that's for April, this game. Um, I picked the Panthers last week. I felt they would... They ran a bit of a crest of a wave. The momentum was building. They just won Seattle. And, of course, we saw the letdown game. The letdown game was because the Steelers found a way to essentially stop this three-headed monster, which they've had in the run game, which is Blackspear, Foreman and Hubbard. And when it came down to Sam Darnold trying to essentially win the game on his own with the likes of DJ Moore and Terrace Marshall, in, you know, in terms of their wide receivers, couldn't get it done. The Lions' defence, to me, is the biggest factor here over the past few weeks. We talked so highly of their offence throughout the course of the season. Since they played the Packers, whatever went off that day when they, when they played the Packers at home and only gave up nine points in that game, they've literally turned the corner. They played the Giants the following week in MetLife. They, they did a really good number there. In fact, the only team in the last six weeks that have really put up any numbers on them is the Bills. And in fairness to the Bills, they put up big numbers on every team. So it's the defence for me, which is created this run and I'm with Colin um, I think the Panthers will rebound and play a lot better than they did last week but ultimately I think the Lions offensively have too much at the moment they're averaging 21 points a game I know it's dropped off slightly recently but now they're finding ways to win games in tougher situations where they don't have to put up 30 points this weekend I think they will they will find a way to put up good numbers I can't see the Panthers living with them so I'm with Colin I think the Lions will win and sure. march on towards the playoffs no, they absolutely. And look, it's a good call out about the Panthers because I was just calling out about the Falcons. Like you kind of look at their record and think they're out of the running, but of course that division keeps everybody interested. Saints as well um, across the board. And 
you know, you got to have a ticket to win the lotto. So even Panthers fans are saying, well, if we get to the playoffs and you never know, so we, we will see how it all transpires. I'm, I'm fascinated by a couple of things there. I mean, Brian, you rightly called out the Detroit defense. I mean, even that game against the Bills, which they lost, and the Bills only put 28 up on them. As we said, for a little bit of dip, better time management at the end of the first half, the end of the game there in the, that Thanksgiving game, it could have been theirs. And it was the first time we saw a really competitive, it felt like a really competitive down-to-the-wire Thanksgiving game in Detroit for a long time. And not just the Giants. They held the Jags to 14 points as they hockeyed them a few weeks ago. They held Minnesota to only 23 points in their offense as they won that game. Um, and I think under 20 points last week as well. So that defense has been clicking entirely. And Colin Amun-Ra, of course, the supreme deity in the Egyptian uh, religion, uh, fused with Ra, who was the sun god, but Amun was actually the supreme deity. Some people overlook. Um, his uh, father gave him that name, I believe, because uh, his uh, consciousness of African culture, etc. But what a great combination. And he is going to be A, talented, and B, very motivated, as you rightly call out, by any slight that he can take advantage of. And that fusion, just like his name is a fusion, will uh, undoubtedly power uh, this Lions team at the weekend as well. I mean, you know, you could make an argument Jared Goff is overdue throwing a game away um, because he's always usually good for one or two of them, and he hasn't been. He's been one of the the, the good news stories and the, the kind of the bounce-back seasons. Um, if we talk about comeback player of the year, you could make an argument he's up there considering how low he was last year, but we all know that's going to Geno Smith, or maybe Brian. I know there's some betting angles on this, but maybe Christian McCaffrey is in in the mix as well. We'll come to that later on. Um, for me, I'm going with Detroit. I know a few Lions fans are absolutely buzzing about what Dan Campbell's building up there um, and how they're evol- evolving. Maybe it's not going to be this season, but they've got a run uh, and a chance at that wild card, and they are going to go to town and try to run it in. So, is that that's a full house? Has the curse been duly applied? That's all right. It's all right. Amon Ra will reverse curse with his uh, Egyptian name, so it's okay. Uh, 